Are you ready for the great grudge match? The revenge game? Zimmer versus Stefanski, old versus young, offense versus defense? It's probably not like that. This is the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on everybody welcome to the locked on vikings podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day today's episode is brought to you by run your pool check them out today and get ten dollars off at runyourpool.com slash locked on or use promo code locked on at checkout i'm your host your pal and the kid you copied off in math class my name is luke brom you can find me on twitter at luke brom nfl show is on twitter at locked on vikings and today we are talking about all things cleveland browns the upcoming opponent for the vikings they are coming to u.s bank stadium part of a little home stretch we got going on here and we'll see if the vikings can't claw their way back to 500 after that disastrous 0-2 start and there's a lot of things to talk about we got to do the injury report we got to talk a little bit about the character of the browns some key matchups and stuff so we'll get into all of that and we'll also get into your bold prediction you best believe I did not forget. We got some spicy ones this week, so I'm excited to share all of that with you. Uh, but first, I guess let's do the easy part. Let's talk about the injury report. Um, so the Vikings injury report is really long, so uh, buckle up. There's a lot to go over here. You got a few DNPs um, did not participate. Amir Smith Marset was out for has been out all week with a toe injury. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander dealing with a personal matter and has been out of practice. No idea what the deal is with that. Hopefully everything's okay there. Uh, Tyler Conklin was DNP last week, but he is upgraded to limited this week. And a whole bunch of vet days uh, yesterday on, on Wednesday. Adam Thielen, Rashad Hill, Harrison Smith, Patrick Peterson, all clean bills of health right now. Um, you've got a few people who have been limited. Anthony Barr, Dalvin Cook, dealing with the knee and ankle injuries we already knew about. Um, still limited. Chris Boyd was dealing with a hamstring injury. He was limited. He was downgraded to a DNP, and he had a couple of new DNPs added to the injury report as well. Uh, ben Ellefson with a neck injury and Bashad Breland with an illness. Don't panic about the illness. Um, I do not believe that if you have COVID-19, you can be held out with just the generic illness designation. You would have to go on COVID IR and go through protocols and all that stuff, and the team would probably want to do that because it would free up the roster spot for the week. So the illness designation, it might still jeopardize his ability to play in this game, some stomach bug or some whatever it is. Whatever it is, you got to monitor it, but I don't think you would be dealing with COVID protocol or close contacts or anything like that. So don't panic about that. Um, Xavier Woods was dealing with a hamstring injury. He was de- uh, upgraded from limited to full on Thursday. Eric Kendricks, same thing with a hip. And Harrison Hand, same thing with a hamstring injury of his own. Um, Greg Joseph was downgraded, which is kind of scary, from full participation to limited participation. And then also you have uh, Christian Derisaw who has been a full participant in practice, still listed with a groin injury, but he's been a full participant all week in practice. So I would guess he is just about healthy enough to start being active for games. But I don't think he's going to start. So Clint Kubiak kind of asked this, uh, asked and answered here with, with Clint Kubiak. Somebody said, is Derisaw going to start when he's in? He basically said, no, Rashad Hill is our starter. He's our guy. Um, you know, Christian Derisaw won't go in. And that might be really frustrating because I know we want the the new, fresh, exciting rookie to come in and people aren't happy with, with Rashad Hill, and that's fair. Um, but like we've kind of talked about all week, a bit of the theme of the week has been pass protection calls and communication on the offensive line. Um, and if you do not know the call, it is so much worse than a bad player who does. I Joe Thomas in his prime would be worse than Rashad Hill if he did not know what the protection calls were because that'll ruin the entire plan. Offensive line is not a series of one-on-one matchups. 
it is very much a unit working in tandem to cover each other's weaknesses and stuff. And if you have somebody who is doing the wrong thing, you get unblocked guys left and right. Um, so Christian Darius has had like eight reps in practice. Like, don't worry too much about him. But I guess that brings me into some key matchups because Miles Garrett's very scary, especially going up against Rashad Hill. Like, that still is a problem. Now, as we've talked about in the last uh, couple of weeks, there are ways to kind of manipulate the protection call to help... Um, help cover up the problems with Rashad Hill. If you put the the protection wall over on his side, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's an article you can uh, read or just go listen to the Wednesday episode. I'm really proud of it. I would love it if you did that. But basically, there's always a wall in pass protection. You kind of know what I'm, you can visualize what I'm talking about, right? Guy shoulder to shoulder and, you know, kind of bunched up really tight in pass protection. And if you put Rashad Hill on the end of that wall, he does not have to worry about getting beat to the inside, because there's a bunch of dudes over there. You can funnel somebody in, and Ezra Cleveland will just kind of just bump into Cleveland, whoever Cleveland's blocking, you know, redirect the guy into a bunch of traffic. So you can take a pass set that goes a little deeper, that goes a little further outside, that kind of takes advantage of the fact that your inside shoulder is covered, is kind of handled for you, and then you can use technique that commits so much to protecting outside at the cost of inside, because inside you've got insurance. Um, so th- I would expect a little bit of that. The problem is, well, then what if they blitz the right side, right? Because you're basically putting the wall on the left side is using a resource on the left side. And what if they necessitate that you use that resource on the right side? If it were me, I would let them come and let Kirk Cousins throw hot against it. Um, You know, if an unblocked player comes, that means there's going to be a hole in the coverage. And I think Kirk Cousins can find those. He sure did a great job of it last week. So I would give him the the leeway to do that. But there's more matchups that I think are a little scary here. You've got Odell Beckham. And I don't know what you do with Odell Beckham here. Um, So Odell Beckham gets to go up against whoever Kevin Stefanski wants him to go up against. The Vikings play sides at cornerback. On Patrick Peterson is always on the defensive right. Bashad Breland's always on the defensive left. And Mackenzie Alexander is always in the slot. So wherever you want Odell Beckham, he is going to go. You're not going to get the beautiful thing that they've gotten with Odell Beckham in the past uh, against Patrick Peterson, where they've, you know, moved him inside to the slot. And then Patrick Peterson was too old to keep up with that. Bunch of teams did that in 2020 when he was with the Cardinals. Vikings aren't letting that happen anymore, wisely so. Um, But you still have the problems of... Can he cover on the outside against Odell Beckham? Can Bashad Breeland do it? Obviously, he's had a lot of problems. Mackenzie Alexander is a good enough slot corner, but Odell Beckham's still a handful. So I, I don't know where they want to put him. They can put him wherever they want. What I think you have to do is put safety help over the top of Odell Beckham. Just know where he is, put safety help over the top, and make him beat you with like Donovan Peoples-Jones and whoever else, who are still fine right wide receivers in their own right, but that feels a little bit more like a matchup the Vikings could potentially handle. Um, that sucks because it brings, it means you have to use Harrison Smith in deep coverage instead of putting him in the box and getting all those disruptions. But if you get Anthony Barr back, that'll kind of help make up that deficit. Uh, maybe you can figure something else, else out that way. And the last matchup here is, I think, the one that's getting the most press. It's the Zim Stefanski Familiarity Bowl. It's the two guys that worked together. I mean, they worked together for seven years in Minnesota, and Stefanski knows Zimmer so well. Um, they, for all intents and purposes, it seems like there's a lot of love in this matchup. It seems like those two guys still get along great, still uh, have a lot of respect for each other. Um, and of course, you have guys like Odell and Jefferson, Odell Beckham and Justin Jefferson are friends. Jarvis Landry is friends with Jefferson and KJ Osborne. Um, Jarvis Landry won't play in this game. He's on IR, but he'll probably be like in the building, right? Like saying hi to people. Um, so you have a lot of uh, chummy familiarity in this game. And I like that. That's wholesome. That makes me happy. Um, but with Zimmer and Stefanski, there is so much gamesmanship that goes on because you know that the other guy knows you, <laughs> you know, if you're Mike Zimmer 
and you are familiar enough with this Stefanski offense, and that Stefanski offense is the same thing. We'll talk about it in a bit. It's the same thing it was in 2019. It was bootleg screens, outside zone, you know, the, the 2019 um, Kevin Stefanski offense. And the Vikings, I, I mean, they're going to know how to counter that offense, right? But Stefanski is going to know what the Vikings counters are. They're gonna, he knows how Zimmer thinks, and I think Zimmer knows that he knows how Zimmer thinks. So he might want to change the way that he approaches uh, defending this 2019 defense, but then that will be an untested idea. So what's the gamesmanship? It's a lot of really interesting stuff. I want to get deeper into it with you all in just a bit. But first, if you drive a lot, uh, you can save on the on gas at the pump with the Get Upside app. It is an app, Get Upside, all one word, at the iTunes App Store or at Google Play that will get you up to 25 cents off per gallon at the pump just for downloading the app. That adds up. If you drive a lot, that could be like two, three hundred bucks a month if you just use the GetUpside app to get twenty-five cents off. And there's no, uh, there's no catch here. You can cash out whenever you want. PayPal, just throw in a bank account. Amazon gift cards, if you'd rather do that. Um, you can do whatever, and you'd get all that money back that you saved at the gas pump. You can use promo code Touchdown also, and you get twenty-five cents more off on your first tank. That's fifty cents total per gallon at the pump on your first tank just for using promo code touchdown when you sign up and start saving again it's a free app on itunes or google play pays out whenever you want and you can use promo code touchdown for up to 50 cents off per gallon on your first tank i can't stop thinking about something that jeff lloyd told me yesterday on crossover thursday about the browns and how well oiled they are how tight-knit they are um it, it's very clear that Stefanski has kind of put together this very chummy culture um, that everybody really likes each other and likes working together. And there's all this collaboration and communication and stuff. And I think that's a big reason why they've been able to get away with being as simple as they are, um, especially offensively, defensively. I don't know. They like to live in cover four a lot. They like a lot of cover three looks. Um, it, it really does look a lot like the 2018 Vikings defense, which again, is it's so funny how they just seem like you like paused the Vikings and just took this cross section of time for the Vikings and just like ported it over to Cleveland. It's super weird, but the Browns don't seem as much like a team that's interested in deceiving you like the Cardinals were. The Cardinals seemed very much like they were trying to pulse, pull a sneaky on you. Um, the Browns seem more like the Seahawks. The Seahawks just wanted to line up and beat you. Um, and, and the Seahawks do not have the talent to do that. The Browns probably do. And a huge thing about the Browns is how tight-knit they are and how well they communicate. These simple concepts and ideas can be invincible if they are perfectly executed. And I think the Browns like have the culture to achieve that, and I think they have most of the talent they need to achieve that, and I think that's what makes them such a tough matchup. So in general, my answer to that, what I would suggest if I were in the room, would be to introduce a little anarchy. Get a little crazy. I don't want this matchup to be straight up, let us line up and beat you guys one-on-one. -on -one. That kind of happened against Seattle. Now, Seattle did try to do a lot of blitzes, they did a lot of aggressive things, and they basically said, we are going to do a lot of risky plays, and we're going to make the game kind of decided on, do our guys make more plays than your guys? And the answer to that was no. And I think if the Vikings took that same game plan into Cleveland, it would go about as well as it did for the Vikings as it did for the Seahawks, if that makes sense. Like, I think they have to, 
work a little harder to give their players an advantage than Cleveland does. But Cleveland doesn't want to work hard for everything. They want to line up and beat you north-south. You know, they want to just run outside zone all day, and you know outside zone is coming, and you can't stop it. That's the ideal state of affairs for the Browns. For my money, what I see with the Browns, they kind of have three pitches. They've got an outside zone, uh, a bootleg working off of that outside zone. Oftentimes, that's a flood concept where you have three receivers in the same side of the field that stretches the, the vertical parts of the defense. Uh, and then you have screens when the defense gets too aggressive about attacking those things. Um, the screens are a really important part of it. So when you are, and you might remember this frustratingly happening often to the Vikings, when you are a bootleg-centric team, what you can do, I call it nail the bootleg. Um, I don't think that's the right word, but you send the backside edge rusher at the quarterback. If you like, imagine a bootleg, right? Let's say you fake a handoff to the left, the whole play goes to the left, and then the quarterback peels off to the right. Well, the, the right defensive end usually has the least important job on a run that goes away from him. Um, he's got to pursue backside, and he's got to contain things and stuff, and he's got to worry about the cutback lane. He's got some job, but it's a job you can sort of sacrifice, afford to sacrifice if it means taking away their bootlegs all the time. So you send that guy, instead of having him pursue and do the normal stuff he usually does against the run, you send him upfield, and you say, go get in the quarterback's face. Don't hit him, don't get a flag, but just go be in the quarterback's face, and if he has the ball, that'll be a big problem for them. And the way that bootlegs have evolved to respond to that, which is what everybody's doing about the bootleg now. My joke is that the bootleg has five stars in Grand Theft Auto. It needs to find a safe house and lay low for a while because everybody is nailing the bootleg. Everybody is doing this, Vikings included. And the way that that bootlegs have kind of evolved to combat this, and this is true for both Vikings and Browns, it's really relevant here, is to A, have a tight end or running back or fullback kind of leaking the other way with the bootleg, and have somebody kind of be that check down option for, look, if they nail the bootleg, nobody's going to be in that area. Nobody's going to be covering the the check down. So you can probably flip it to CJ Ham, and he might have a lot of field in front of him. And it can be an eight yard game. Totally fine play to combat that. You see how the back and forth happens here. The defenses have now started to kind of uh, not only send the edge rusher at the quarterback, but keep that backside linebacker, take another guy out of the run play and have him cover the leaking tight end or blocking tight end. Um, There's a play called split zone, which is a zone run. It's an outside run, um, but the tight end comes across kind of against the grain of the formation and he blocks backside. And that's a very common play that everybody sees. So when you see a tight end working across the formation, it doesn't look that suspicious. Um, and then suddenly that guy, you know, actually is running a route and then you can kind of get hit that way. And there's a lot of really good Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay plays that kind of take advantage of that not being too suspicious. So what you have to do is essentially pin a linebacker to that tight end or that fullback or whoever's coming across the formation or whoever looks like he's going to like leak out and be in front of the, uh, and be in front of the quarterback, um, and essentially put that guy in coverage backside. Now, if this is a run play to the front, you're kind of going to get wrecked because you have two players dedicated to a pass play that isn't happening. But I guess the trade-off is I'll take that and yeah, have your eight yard run. If you never get a bootleg for 30, you can't make your offense out of eight yards of play Um, because eventually those will stop working. Eventually Michael Pierce makes a play front side, you get behind the chains and now, you know, you can't do anything. Um, And that falls apart pretty quickly. So that's kind of the way the bootleg thing works. Um, 
And when you get way too aggressive, you start sending too many people at the at the quarterback upfield, then he throws a screen and everybody's out of position. You get a 25-yard gain that way. So you have to be able to read the screens as well. So you can kind of tell there are pros and cons to this simplicity where this same thing happens over and over and over again with the Browns. And they've got other dropback passing concepts and they do have like a regular dropback passing game you have to play when it's that too. Um, so I'm just kind of talking about the play action game, which is a staple for the Browns. Um, but if you can find a counter to that bootleg... That does not open you up to crazy Nick Chubb runs. And, you know, you're not going to be giving up 15 a pop to Nick Chubb. You can kind of crack them. I don't think anybody's cracked them yet. Um, the Chiefs certainly didn't. The Texans had a decent kind of couple of breaks of luck and had a lead on them, but then they lost it. Uh, and then obviously the Bears just sort of peed all over themselves in that game. So you can't get much out of that one. Um, so I don't know if anybody's cracked this offense this year yet. But you can probably borrow some concepts that the Packers have used against us over the years. The Packers, and especially the Mike Pettin Packers, had a lot of really great counters to what the Vikings did in uh, 2019 and 2020. And you can use some of the other, you know, the 49ers and Robert Sala did some really interesting things against the Vikings. I think you could go watch that tape and steal something from them and see if some of those defensive concepts work. You have to just be really careful about spacing. And I think very importantly, you have to be really good at reading. If you can find... Uh, you know, pour over the tape and find a tell that, you know, one play is a run and one is a pass, somebody that has slightly different posture, somebody with a little less discipline, maybe. The problem is you can't make this a game where you just rely on the Browns to make mistakes in front of you. You have to be proactive on defense. Um, you can't just line up one-on-one -on -one and out-execute them because that is exactly the space the Browns want to be in. So, that's where I guess my brain would be if I were in the room. Um, but I want to transition while we still have some time to the bold predictions. I want to talk to you first about Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar on the planet. That is not a bold take. That's just a true fact of trueness. Uh, it's covered in 100% chocolate. Who doesn't love that? And comes in all of your favorite chocolatey combinations. Chocolate mint, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate raspberry, cookies and cream, coconut, whatever you like. There are nine main series flavors, and you can get a sampler box of all of those. That's, that's my favorite. It's just uh, two of each of the nine flavors. You can find out what you like, and you can get uh, check the, the built.com website sometimes as well. They have uh, some specialty flavors that come in that are limited time. So if you check back in, you might get some of the real good stuff. Uh, but if it, it is delicious, and it is low calorie, low carb, high protein, high fiber, low sugar. It won't knock you off the wagon. It's even keto-friendly if you want to do that. So head on over to BuiltBar.com or Built.com. You can enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. Are you ready to get spicy? Because it is time for the bold predictions. I'm always so excited for these. We had some close ones this week. If you have a bold prediction, you can send it to me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL, a bold take for the upcoming game. The ones I like, I read on the show. And if one is right, we celebrate. Uh, we party about it. Uh, so let's go over the ones from last week. Some of these got really close. Uh, Drew Malwald predicted that either Lockett or Metcalf would have zero catches. We did not get there. Tyler Lockett had four. DK Metcalf had six. 
Um, Gerald Everett had five as well. Uh, so they, they did actually manage to generate a few completions. So nothing there. Uh, Alessandro Cosi said Dalvin Tomlinson pick six. He is saying this every single week. I only read it on the one week. I'm not going to read the same one over and over again because uh, too many people do bold predictions to have the same person in every time. But I respect the persistence and you're going to get there, buddy. I believe in you. But not this time. Um, Chris got really close because he said this game is boring which it was a pretty standard game. You know, Viking Seahawks is always this crazy game with all this back and forth and stuff. This time, it was pretty much a normal game. Um, he laid out some parameters we did not quite get, though. We had no plays over 20 yards. Uh, we had a number of plays over 20 yards. One turnover, I believe. I don't think we had any turnovers in the game. No, there were no turnovers in the game, so I would have given you that. Um, but you also said no missed kicks. There was one missed kick. So you're that close if you had one missed kick. If, the, if that kick had gone in, I would have totally given this to you. Uh, Traumatized Twins fan said Jefferson and DK have the exact same number of receiving yards. You got close. Jefferson had 118. DK Metcalf had 107. You were within 11 yards. One more catch for DK Metcalf for 11 yards. And I believe there was an 11-yard target in there in Patrick Peterson's coverage that went uncaught. If that got caught, I think you actually might have cashed this one, which would have been an incredible call. Uh, an anonymous source said all of the points for both teams come in the third quarter. Uh, only three third quarter points. It was the least... Uh, the lowest scoring quarter of the game, so not quite. And uh, Jordan Barrett said all five starting OL for the Vikings will have a PFF grade of 70 or higher. And you went uh, two for five there. Only Oli Udo and Brian O'Neill crossed a 70, but I really, really liked that one. I love how creative these are getting. Less people are just saying a stat line. Uh, so let's go to the week four bold predictions. I've got a few here from a few of some of my favorites, although it's just, there were a lot of really good ones that got cut. So keep trying, everybody. Uh, JV Swap says neither offense scores. <laughs> I absolutely love that. I think the over under for this game is like in the 50s. So that would be a very, very bold take. But also there can still be scoring in the game, just not by the offenses. If it's all defensive or, or special teams weirdness points, um, that's fine. For this, I will... Uh, Field goals are weird because I think field goals are offensive scoring, even though they're technically like special teams points. But I do think that if the game goes where like if it comes down to this, where it's only field goals um, and and only like a defensive touchdown and three field goals is all the scoring in the game. I think in spirit, you would have got it. So I'll give that scenario to you uh, in, in, a, in advance. I, I love the idea of that, though. Just this absolutely cursed game of only defensive and special teams scoring. Uh, Cameron Dean, Dean says, it's one of those weird games where Kirk throws the ball like 12 times. People named Dalvin on the Vikings score a total of four touchdowns. And he said three rushing and one fumble six. I am not going to hold you to the specificity. If there are four Dalvin touchdowns uh, of, of, of Dalvins of all varieties, I'll give that to you. Uh, and that'll be the the bold prediction here. I do love that it's one of those weird games where Kirk only throws the ball like 12 times. It's really funny because it's an indoor game. We had a couple of those last time. Uh, we've had like one a year the last couple of years because we had one in Green Bay where it was the wind game and you kind of couldn't throw. And then one against Atlanta where like Atlanta just dissolved in front of them and they were up 21 to nothing in the first quarter and they just ran the game out. <laughs> so yeah, that... Uh, it, it could happen, um, if Cleveland is really a true disaster, but I'm going to really focus on the Dalvins part of this. Uh, tone setter Matthias says the over hits in the first half on a Kirk Cousins scramble touchdown. I will not hold you to the specific way the touchdown happens. I will just say if the over hits, I'll give it to you. Uh, and that's the full game over. Uh, that is 51 points. If 51 points are scored in the first half, that would be the bold prediction. Not the first half over. That's not a bold prediction. That's just a bet. Matt Mortel says Miles Garrett gets pancaked by CJ Ham. The Hammer nickname takes off. The Hammer nickname is pretty much already his nickname. Um, you know, CJ the Hammer. 
Uh, so leave that part aside. But if Miles Garrett gets pancaked by CJ Ham, I will give that to you. That will be amazing. Also, that's something I probably will have to look for on the All-22 because you might miss that one. Those kind of pancakes get missed sometimes. Uh, broadcast would probably throw that one out. They probably got a camera on Miles Garrett every play. Uh, Nikaka says Jordan Berry, first down throw. Love it. Let us get weird. This is totally the kind of thing you would pull out against like an old friend too. Like, ah, Kevin Stefanski, Mike Zimmer, they're so chummy. I want to pull my fake punt out out against him to mess with him, you know? Like that does seem like the thing you would do. Like either against a coach you like a lot or a guy you just like viscerally hate, like a guy you do not get along with at all. I don't know if Mike Zimmer has any like true enemies in the league, but if he did, like you would pull it out there. And uh, the last one comes from Mammoth, who says, Kirk Cousins has more passing touchdowns than Miles Garrett has pressures. I just love the framing of that one <laughs> that's such a weird prop but yeah so Kirk Cousins has three touchdowns Miles Garrett has two pressures you cash there that's really really hard pressures are easy to get you get 13 pressures in a game so it's a good game and like a three pressure game is actually just a mediocre one so you need Miles Garrett to get shut down and you need a big big Kirk Cousins game but in the event that Miles Garrett is getting shut down you probably get a lot of Kirk Cousins touchdowns and you could always get just a vultured one by Dalvin Cook or, or you know ZJ Hammer or whatever here too so Kirk Cousins is more passing touchdowns and Miles Garrett has pressure so you don't even get sneaks it'll be hard to catch but that's what makes it a bold prediction I always love these segments I will see you all on the other side of this one we'll talk on Monday pick up the pieces about everything and thank you so much for making the Vikings Locked on Vikings podcast your first listen of the day make your second listen to Locked on Bets podcast your boy Q and Lee Sterling will help you help you get your grambles straight. I will see you all next week. And as always, skull.